0: My name is Joshua Patty, and I'm privileged to serve as your regional minister. I'm new in the position, having started October 1st, and obviously this is not quite the way I'd like to be joining you in worship today. I wish that we could be face-to-face so that we could get to know each other better. But that said, for the time being, this is uh, one way that we can start to build our relationship. I'm a father of two and a husband of one. My wife, Sarah, is also an ordained disciples minister, though currently not actively serving. She does um, some pulpit supply. We recently moved from the Kansas City area where uh, she grew up and where I had served for about nine years. And I'm excited to serve with you. I'm thinking at this time of year, about New Year's resolutions. I know we're two Sundays in, ten days into the new year, and so many people's resolutions have already been tried and maybe given up on. I hope that's not the case for you. Now, I know not everybody uh, makes New Year's resolutions, but many people do. It's not a bad practice. In fact, in some ways, it's a faithful one. Because it requires looking at ourselves and identifying things that, well, are not as they should be. Identifying things that could be better about ourselves in theological language. Identifying the brokenness in us and trying to seek healing and wholeness more along the lines of God's design for us. Becoming more the people that God created us to be. The challenge with resolutions is that while we often have noble instincts on how to address some of the shortcomings we see in our lives, well, the plans we come up with to address them, they don't usually work. They're uh, too big. They're too demanding. Uh, There's a reason why we haven't done them already. And when we hit that first snag or two, we say, well, it's just not meant to be. And we give up. I think that our faith can give us lessons on how to follow those resolutions more successfully. Though that's not exactly the topic of this morning's sermon. But as long as we've opened with a reflection on resolutions and trying to meet them, two things are important in helping many people to meet their resolutions. One is a sense of forgiveness. Forgiving ourselves for the times we fall short and then committing to try again. I don't know about you, In the past, many times I've committed at the start of a year to lose weight. And some years I've been more successful than at others. But I can promise you, whether it was a successful year or a less than successful year, one thing always happened. I had a noble vision of how I would schedule my workouts. And by the second week, it turned out that wasn't practical It wasn't possible. I'd already missed one or two or more of those workouts. Sometimes when that happens, we, well, we give up. We just say it's not meant to be. But those years that I forgave myself, that I said, you know, I didn't go to the gym today. I didn't go yesterday, but I'm going tomorrow. And then followed through on that were the years that I was more successful. Success didn't require me to be perfect in carrying out my resolution. In fact, I had to recognize and accept my imperfections in order to find success. More than that, for some people, having somebody else hold them accountable on their resolutions is very important. That also is common in weight loss but it's and dieting programs, but it's common in many things that in in parts of our lives where we try to improve ourselves. Having somebody come along with us on the journey, not to judge us, but to remind us of the commitments that we have made to show up for certain workouts, to eat a certain diet, to abstain from certain things, whatever. I mention these things because it seems to me that in some ways That's what Jesus laid out for his first disciples and through them for us. I read just a small piece of the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. You're forgiven if you don't know exactly what comes before this. At the start of the chapter, Jesus names those 12 disciples and sends them out two by two in his name. Elsewhere, it's more than just the 12 disciples that get sent out. Famously in the Gospel of Luke, it's 70 people who are sent out, two by two, to heal in Jesus' name, to cast out demons, to teach in Jesus' name. I'll be honest, every time I come back to this part of the Gospel, I'm reminded by how trusting Jesus is in his followers. There's not a lengthy preparation course before jesus sends them out two by two he teaches them a few things they hear a few parables maybe witness a healing or two and then he says go the world around us is broken and you can bring healing in my name go do it and then come back and let's see what happens the part i read this morning is when they come back and what do they do well they tell jesus what happened They tell Jesus what they did and what they taught in his name. And then Jesus says, let's rest. Let's go away just ourselves and rest and then go out. Maybe I just infer this part. Go out and do it again. Now, by the way, it's not just an inference because what comes after this time of respite is that a crowd follows them to this deserted place and Jesus teaches them all day, and there's no food. and it's getting late and miraculously a limited number of loaves and fish feed 5,000 people. A great teaching and a miraculous doing. I think that as disciples of Jesus, we're all about the doing and the teaching. We've taken Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, to heart to go out and make disciples in Jesus' name, to do and do and do. And we forget Jesus' own example and teaching to the first disciples. That part of the doing, the part of making disciples, is after we do that for a little while, coming back together and sharing what we've done. And I like to imagine that in those conversations, both excitedly when they first came back to Jesus, but more when they reflected during that time apart in that deserted place, the disciples admitted some of the things that went really well. And they admitted some things that didn't work out how they planned. And they learned from each other. Different of the disciples tried different things that worked. And different of the disciples tried different things that did not work. They encouraged each other about how hard it was, what a wonderful opportunity it was. They reminded each other of some things they probably didn't know yet. And I imagine they asked Jesus some hard questions about, what do you do if this happens? Or what would be a better lesson to teach with this question? And then they go out and do it again. And then they come back, I would assume, and share what they've done and what they've taught. And they support each other. They commiserate with each other. They encourage each other. They hold each other accountable. They remind each other why they're doing these things in the first place. They remind each other of, well, their own shortcomings. Or at least they invite people to recognize their own shortcomings and how they've Tried to carry out the teaching and the doing of Jesus' gospel. They learn together, then they go out and do it again. I love that teaching that's attributed to St. Francis preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. I think there's a, a part of our heritage that tells us that talk is cheap. We need to be about doing things in Jesus' name. But Jesus himself recognized how important it was for us to share with each other what we've done, what we've taught, how we've done so, where we've succeeded, sometimes far beyond our abilities through the intervention and power of God's Holy Spirit, and where things haven't gone how we planned, maybe haven't turned out well at all to honestly face those times, imagine what could have been different, and then to try different things the next time. I hope in your congregation that's one of the things you have done this past year and that you will continue to do in this new year ahead. It's been hard. It's been hard to figure out how to do what we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus Christ. We know we're supposed to bring love and healing and hope into the broken world around us. But the ways that we've learned to do this over the centuries have suddenly been taken away from us. We've had to find new ways to share this gospel, the doing and the teaching of Jesus and some of those challenges will continue in this year ahead. And I hope that you're encouraging one another. I hope you're admitting the times that it doesn't go quite how you expected. And you commit to each other to try again. And even more than that, I hope that you're not just talking to others within your congregation, but you're talking to other congregations about what they're trying, where what their successes have been, what their... Well, less than successes have been. As your regional minister, one of the things I'm going to strive to do is to build relationships so that we have these conversations, sometimes commiserating how hard it is, sometimes brainstorming together what works and what doesn't and what might work in the months ahead, always reminding us why we're doing these things in the first place because we are faithfully following Jesus. Having experienced forgiveness and love through Jesus, we want to share that healing and that hope with others around us. Sometimes, like those first disciples, we need to experience it again ourselves, because we've been sent out, well, pretty early on in our faith. Yes, Jesus trusts us and empowers us, but also knows that through the doing and teaching we're going to grow more in our faith. We're going to deepen our relationship with God. And sometimes that's going to require a little bit of reflection and attention and prayer as well. The key part of all of this is trying to do these things together. That's not to say that you can't be a successful person or a successful congregation doing things on your own. It's just that you're more likely to be successful if you're part of a team, a team of others striving for the same things. In short, that's what we're to be about as the Christian church in the upper Midwest, just as Christ's church on earth. Trying to be faithful together. Celebrating each other's successes. Lamenting our failures. Striving. Praying. Loving. Healing. Doing. The gospel of Jesus. So in the year ahead, I hope you have these good conversations after you've done and taught. I hope you reach out and find new people to talk to, to support and be supported by in this faithful work we are in together. May God bless you in this new year ahead. And I do hope that sometime before December 31st, 2021, many of us have the opportunity to gather in person and meet face to face. Amen.